Thank you, Tim. And thank you, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. As Tim said, uh, you're so welcome, whether this is your, your first time, your hundredth time, your thousandth time uh, walking through the doors this morning. It's wonderful to have you with us. Um, and thank you again as we, as we come to spend time in God's Word this morning. And this morning we're going to be thinking about God's Word by looking at His Word. Uh, and so as Tim has prayed, uh, we do ask that God would speak to us clearly as, as we consider this wonderful gift that we have been given, that we have such free and open access to the very words of God. Uh, and this morning, we're, we're, I suppose we're starting properly into our teaching series uh, that we set the scene for last week. Uh, we're calling this series Head, Heart, Hands. And, and the overriding hope in this series is that for those of us who are Christians, that we become more clear in what we know about the truth of God's word, and we allow that truth to captivate our emotions, because it is good news that should increase joy and, and, and fervor in us, and therefore our lives are transformed by that news. Uh, the tagline reads, which is just my words, by the way, uh, knowing God's truth, which captivates our emotions and determines our actions. Knowing God's truth, which captivates our emotions and determines our actions. However, this series is not just for those who are already Christians. Um, my hope and, our, and my prayer is that if there's any here who, who don't know Jesus yet, maybe haven't taken that step, maybe not quite at that point of believing what you see in the Bible as the good news of Jesus Christ for you, then this series will help unpack actually some of that teaching of the Christian faith, what we believe uh, and how it shapes our lives. Um, but for those of us who are Christians, uh, my, my hope and prayer is that it will also help us become clearer in our understanding of our faith, which will then enable a bolder sharing of that faith in the world that we live in throughout the week. Uh, and as we saw this uh, last week, that, that this idea of head, heart, hands, uh, it's not just a pithy saying, it's not just a, a clever soundbite, uh, it is deeply and genuinely biblical. Uh, and so we saw last week from James chapter 1, Verse 22, and in some ways the whole sermon last week could be summarized by this one verse. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not merely listen. It is good to listen. It is good to study. It is good to think about God's word. We'll talk about that a lot this morning. But it cannot remain an intellectual exercise of the head if it is to be true and genuine faith. If it is to be true and genuine faith, we must live that out. And so the word that we read, it, it shapes our hearts because we see the loving, powerful God at play in his word. And so our lives then become living examples of his truth to the world that we engage with. Head, heart, hands. And so I explained last week that, that to help frame uh, and structure our time together uh, and to think of these core beliefs of the Christian faith, we're going to we're going to work our way through the doctrinal statement of, of the church here. Uh, essentially, this list of key principles that we see within Scripture that are core to what it means to be a Christian, uh, to be part of Christ's church, to, to live your life for him, uh, for, for um, what he's called you to do. And so over the next number of weeks, probably right up to Christmas time, uh, we're going to delve into these 10 topics, the Scriptures, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the devil, humanity, justification, the church, the future state, and Christian behavior. And today, we begin right at the top of that list by thinking about Scripture, thinking about the Bible, thinking about God's Word. Uh, and I wonder uh, if it possibly strikes you as odd that we would start with the Scriptures. Um, why not start with God or the church or, or something else mentioned here? Well, 
Well, I suppose firstly, th- this list of beliefs is not in some kind of order of significance or order of preference. No, th- these, these all link and are intertwined with one another. They feed into and from one another. So they're not 10 individual beliefs that we have. This is a summary of our faith. But, but there is something significant about God's word. And it's highlighted um, in the last phrase of the doctrinal statement that we're looking at. This is the statement uh, as it reads, that we believe the scriptures, that they are the verbal inspiration. We believe in the verbal inspiration and total inerrancy of the holy scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as originally given by God. Their sole sufficiency and final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Now, this slightly technical phrase basically means that the Bible shows us all we need to know about faith and about life as a Christian. The Bible is the benchmark. God's word is the benchmark. So God's word is God's word. Nothing else needs to be added to it to give it extra oomph or extra authority. No, God's word is God's word. Therefore, it is the final word. And of course, we don't just believe in the significance of the Bible because our doctrinal statement states so. No, of course, this is deeply biblical. We're going to spend some time this morning in these wonderful verses from 2 Timothy. Um, We're going to jump about a little bit through Scripture, mainly 2 Timothy 3 and and, an awful lot of Psalm 119. Um, So you might want to jot down some of the references. If you're able to follow along, if you've got your Bible with you, that's wonderful. I would recommend that you take a note, if you're able to, of some of these verses and these references and then uh, spend some time in it later on today or this week sometime as you consider what it means to live in the light of God's word. But let's start by thinking of these words from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 and therefore what they show us about why the Bible is the best place to start when we consider what we know about the Christian faith. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful. And its purposes of teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, those things enable servants of God to then be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is just one verse which shows us the significance and the centrality of the Bible for us as Christians. So if we're wanting to be taught the ways of God, if we're wanting to know the truth of God, if we're wanting to live in the plans of God, then we find those in the inspired word of God. If we want to know the ways of God, we want to know the truth of God, if we want to live in the plans of God, we find all of those in the word of God. And so in a sense, we need to start this series with a good look at the scriptures, what they are, how we should engage with them, why they're good, and and how we live them out. Essentially, we're going to work our way through head, heart, hands, and how we should think about the Bible firmly in each of those stages. Uh, And so to help us think about that, we're going to, as I said, base ourselves in 2 Timothy 3 and and mostly uh, in Psalm 119. Um, So let's begin with our heads. If we're thinking about head, heart, hands, let's begin with our heads. What do we know or or what can we know about the Bible? Uh, And I suppose there's a couple of ways we could think about this. Uh, We could list off some facts that you could probably get from Wikipedia about the Bible itself. Uh, 66 books, one big overarching story. We'll come back to that in a second. 66, a library, a collection of 66 individual books, but they tell one story. Written over generations, but they tell one story, God's story. 
39 Old Testament books. I should have made this a quiz, shouldn't I? 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, many different authors, but one story. We read in 2 Peter 1 that they are carried along by the Spirit as they wrote. This is the God-inspired word of him. Uh, This library contains many different kinds of writing, uh, so different genres. If you're into literature, there's many different genres within this library book. There's historical writings, there's poetry, there's apocalyptic literature, there's prophecy, there's letters, there's uh, lots of other nuances in between the Gospels. And I found out this week, as I did do some Googling, that the, the, according to Wycliffe Bible translators, there are now over 700 languages in the world who have the whole Bible in their native tongue. 700 different languages, uh, which is wonderful. If you want to find out more about the work of Wycliffe, um, please do search for that. But, but hang on, this... This, this kind of fact check of the Bible is not what we're about. Um, these, these are helpful. They're interesting facts about the Bible, absolutely. But that's not what we're here to enjoy this morning. Uh, as we said throughout this series, we want to go beyond merely intellectually understanding the Bible and what it's about and allow our hearts and our hands to be impacted. And, and so we need to look deeper than just facts about the Bible. Let's look at the message of the Bible. Let's investigate its content. What is it about? How are we to engage our minds with it? Well, well, one thing I did mention there is that, and this is very important and vital, in fact, to keep in our minds, that the Bible is one story. Uh, Yes, it was written over a couple of thousand years by many different human hands, but it is God's story uh, told across generations. Um, And and there's a wonderful level of, of complexity and depth across the whole of our scripture, but it is essentially the story of God's saving work of his people how he brought about the most incredible, loving, gracious, merciful, saving work. This is good news. And as we mentioned last week, this is not just good news for eternity later, which of course it is. It is good news for eternity later that we would be saved and rescued from the eternal judgment of our sin in hell. The Bible tells us the good news of rescue that's available from that. And in its place, then we are taken into an eternity with the presence of God Almighty where we are with love himself, where there is joy and unending peace and praise of him and his worthiness we will finally be able to see and wonder, not understand, but just be captivated by. That is the eternal good news that the Bible shows us of, and it is good news. And it is also good news for the here and now. It's not just that we believe and we wait. No, we believe and we live. The good news that we see now. It is good news for the here and now as we live in the the daily reality of of sins forgiven, of empowerment by the Holy Spirit as we seek to obey this good word, uh, as we we share the wonderful, unending love of Christ with the world that we live in. And so if you're a Christian this morning, that's the good news that you've believed. Let's live it out. But the Bible is the place where we find that good news. Uh, It is the story of the gospel. And the majestic centerpiece of that good news is the person and work of Jesus Christ. You see, restored relationship with God that I've been thinking of, forgiveness of sin that I've mentioned, life with him for now and all eternity, that is only possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus. When he took the penalty of sin upon himself in our place, so that when we do repent of our sins, when we trust in his sacrifice, when we when we then um, open ourselves up to receiving his spirit and allow his spirit to live in and through us as we welcome him as savior and Lord of our lives, then we're adopted into his family. We're forgiven. We're, we're free from the bonds of sin. 
and therefore we can live a life of joyful obedience uh, to him. That, that's what the good news is, and this is what we'll celebrate later around this table, the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus. And we find that this wonderful good news from start to finish, from Genesis to Revelation, it is about Jesus. This wonderful truth that we see in the pages of Scripture. That's why Paul is able to say to Timothy in the verse just before what we read in Second Timothy 3, He said before those verses in verses 14 and 15, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which what? Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's the scriptures which make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus because it's the scriptures that reveals that truth to us. It's where we see that truth it's where we see it in fact it's where we see him he is that truth and, and so as we engage with this good word with our minds and let's think on this wonderful truth and it is truth this is not just another historical story this is truth jesus himself said so when he was talking to when he's praying to his father about his followers who would come after he died and he said in john 17 17 that sanctify them by the truth your word is truth So Jesus saying to the Father, your word is truth. And so we know this to be true. God's word is is solid. It is unshakable. It is true for all time, truth. And therefore, if we're going to contemplate anything with our minds, let it be this truth. So in saying all of that, what, what are we to do with our minds? Is this just a textbook that we are to examine and to study or, or what, what should be our attitude as we come to learn from this book with our heads? Um, well, one of the passages of Scripture that, that celebrates Scripture itself uh, is Psalm 119. Uh, and so I'd like to take a few minutes to, to look at some of the verses there. Some of you may know Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. There's 176 verses in that Psalm. We're not going to look at them all, but we're going to look at lots of them because it is good. Uh, And it shares a lot of this psalm is about God's word, the wonder and beauty of God's word, and the writer's response to it. And so as we consider how we should respond to it, let this be our guide. And so I'll just flick through some verses. As we think of the attitude that the writer comes to God's word with, uh, this might be a time where you jot some of these down because I will rifle through them very quickly. And I would love for you to take them home and enjoy them later. Psalm 119 begins, I meditate on your precept. Meditate. That's, that's an act of the mind, isn't it? I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. He prays later in verse 18, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Verse 27, Cause me to understand the way of your precepts that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. Verse 34, Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with my heart. There's a wonderful section that we'll see later on in verse 33 to 38 where we see things like, Teach me, give me understanding, direct me by your words. Verse 48, I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. Verse 51, I remember, Lord, I find comfort in your ancient laws. Verse 68, you are good. What you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Verse 97, oh, I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. 125, I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. You see, there's so much that we see, not only through Psalm 119, indeed through many other places in Scripture, that we see this level of active engagement with the mind that the writer is 
uh, having with God's word, to meditate, to consider, to discern, to seek to understand, to be directed by, to remember this word. These are all active engagements that the writer is involving his head in, in seeking to better know and better understand the word of God. The reason I'm sharing all of that is is to to highlight one of the points that we made last week, that it is good and right for us to study and spend meaningful time thinking on God's word, to meditate, to consider. This is the Holy Scripture that makes us wise for salvation, remember? So let's not rush our way through it. Let's not rush away from it and therefore miss the, the wonder and the beauty of understanding his word with our mind. Let's actively and decisively engage our minds in the wonderful truth of God's word. But perhaps you're wondering, how how do we do that? How do we engage our minds with God's word? Well, well, I don't want to in any way sound simplistic about this, um, but I I don't think there are any shortcuts to this. Um, if, If we're to increase our knowledge and our understanding of God's word, that's only possible by spending time in it. See, the actions and the attitudes that we see in Psalm 119, they all point to the reality that the writer wants to and longs to and is committed to spending time in God's Word, to meditate, to consider, to understand, to discern, to be directed by, to remember. These aren't things that can be rushed through. There's no quick way to meditate well. There's no kind of fast track to consider something deeply. There's just time and commitment. And I know this may sound risky, but but I'd like us to help one another in this. You see, I think that there are lots of us, especially those of us who follow follow Jesus, we know and and we recognize how important the Bible is. We, We know that it is something we should devote time and energy to. We even know that if we were to devote time and energy to it, it would be good for us. We know all these things. Yet for many of us, we struggle to. Many, many of us don't use the time we have to spend it in God's word, or certainly maybe not as much as we would hope to or think we should. And as we'll see to come on in a few minutes, you see, we know in our heads that the Bible is good for us, but that doesn't always translate into our hearts longing to spend time in it and our hands then picking it up. And so I realize it might be a little bit uncomfortable for some of us. It might feel a bit vulnerable for others. But, but I wonder if you could share some of the practical things that you have found as you have walked with God, however long that may have been, And maybe you're thinking way back to a time when you were more fervently reading and spending time with God's word. Maybe you're thinking of this morning, this is what I found helpful to me as I spent time in God's word. But let's share some of these examples of things that have helped as it has come to spend time meaningfully engaging with God's word, to consider, to meditate. And this is not us sharing. So if you share an idea here, and I would love as many as we can, if you share an idea, this is not you saying I've got this sorted. And I'm, I'm, I'm well on track, thanks. It's just, let's, let's help one another. Remember Hebrews 10, 24 and 25? Let's spur one another on towards love and good deeds as we meet. So let's share things now. As we get a cup of coffee after, let's share some of the ways in which we can help one another uh, engage with God's word. We've seen that it is good, yet many of us struggle. So, so let's help and, and guide one another along. So can, can anyone share anything uh, that, that has helped you engage more regularly and consistently with the Bible? In the morning, so time is important. Okay. Start early. Set the alarm clock early. Okay, thanks, Andy.
easier said than done. Thanks, Anna. Okay, yeah. Getting into the habit. That was sorry for the guy. I realized, sorry, I tried to translate for the guys in the back. <laughs> Thank you. Getting into the habit. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so that sense of accountability, doing it with others, that, 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 that helps spur that on. Yeah, great. Audio Bible. Great. Hi, Susanna. On your phone? Have, have an app? Oh, yeah, having an app so that it's more accessible, maybe. Can I read into that? And you can listen to it? Great, thanks. Thanks. Great sign language through the window. <laughs> Wow, okay. Well, if we were to, so that was don't engage with anything else until you've engaged with the Bible. So don't lift your phone. <laughs> that's difficult if you're reading <laughs> on there. That's, that's one of the things. Um, but uh, yeah, do, so don't engage with other things until you've engaged with the Bible. So make it a priority. Yeah, excellent. Links in with Andy's get up early. Um, all of those things are really helpful. Uh, maybe even there's some resources that you've found in the past. I'm not saying that they're the golden bullet. I'm not saying that any of these things are the answer. Ultimately, this comes down to, as we've seen from Psalm 119, this comes down to me as an individual committing to doing this and me as an individual reading God's word and engaging with God's word. But but these things, God has put us in community to to support and to guide and to encourage. uh, And so we can do this. Um, As as I was thinking, and again, this is not some kind of checklist that must be done, um, but here here are some things that, that I thought might be helpful, or as I look back at times in my life where I was more faithfully and regularly considering and spending time in God's Word, these are some of the things. They just so happen to all begin with P. That's just a coincidence. Um, but take some of these things or none of them, but but just think of think of something, right? So pray. I think sometimes we come to the Bible cold, if, if I can put it like that. We just lift it like a book. But remember who wrote this. And so let's ask him, like the psalmist did, let's ask him for help as we come to open his word to us. Pattern speaks to what, uh, um, what Cyril was saying, a pattern of a, a time, maybe a place. Maybe it is a study resource or a, gui- a devotional guide that helps you, but some kind of pattern can be helpful for some folk. Persist. Um, I've recently restarted Parkrun, and uh, one of the things that um, our local Parkrun posted this week was um, a 60-minute 5K is just as long as a 15-minute 5K. Uh, the idea is, wherever you start, keep going. Keep going, persist. Uh, even when it feels hard, even when days get busy, even when time is stretched, persist. And uh, these are good patterns to be in. Uh, partner, which uh, kind of links with what Laura said, that, that if it's helpful for you at times to join with others, to read the same thing, to discuss together, um, posture. So to come, come to the Bible to, to hear and receive not just to consume it. It is good, as we've seen, to consume his word. But it is good to, to meditate, to, to consider. This is not just a task to get through so that you can enter your day. Actually, we come to hear his word. We come to receive from him. This is a good gift that he's given to us. Uh, let's not rush through it that we miss what he's trying to do. And then the final P, which unfortunately sounds like an F, <laughs> uh, physical. 
Um, I find it helpful, again, this is not a, a dogmatic thing. I find it helpful to use a physical Bible, a physical journal, uh, a physical place, a physical, you know, just to, to make that, maybe that is another person that you're doing it with for a season. Um, but, but I find that helpful. I find it less distracting um, than on a device, although I, I appreciate the, the benefit of that too. But um, those are just some things that might be helpful. Please, whenever we go for coffee, do, do the small talk. Small talk is important. It's good to build relationships and fellowship. But let's actually dive in and ask this question with someone who maybe you know well. And say, how do you find reading God's word? Or what has helped you? Or can I share something with you that I've read recently that, that, that I believe God wants to share? And let's, let's help one another. But, but, but however, all of that to say, however we come before God's word, we must come before it. So if we're going to grow in our following of Jesus, if, if we're to, to know and to live in the light of that truth, we've got to understand that truth. Um, that this is God's word. It is good news for us. And so let's be people of his word. We're, we're going to briefly look at uh, the heart. So we've thought a lot about the head, uh, and I think that's important actually because uh, we need to know that truth, and that truth will then captivate our hearts, which will then determine our actions. So let's think about our heart. You see, as much as what we've said and all of what we've said hopefully is true and helpful for you, let's remember that spending time in God's Word is not just a head exercise. Uh, this is not just about becoming great theologians. Being great theologians is a wonderful thing, but this is not just about being a great theologian who can think deeply about God's Word. That's good, and we need people who can help us. But, but we cannot merely listen. Remember that verse from James last week? Do not merely listen, but do what it says. Uh, and as we've seen already, so much of what we do is determined by how we feel and what has captivated our heart. And so to help us think about how we should feel about God's word, um, based on what we know about God's word, I want us to return to Psalm 119. You see, through Psalm 119, not only do we see the celebration of the greatness of God's word and how, how, that should, how our minds should be captivated by it, but we also see how God's word makes the writer feel. Just look at some of these with me. Just a snippet of some of these verses. Verse 14, I rejoice in following your statutes. Verse 16, I delight in your decrees. Verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your laws. Verse 24, my statute, your statutes are my delight. Verse 47, I delight in your commands because I love them. 52, I find comfort in your ancient laws. Verse 54, your decrees are the theme of my song. (laughs) Verse 58, which we can say every time we gather here. That's why singing what we sing is important. Um, Verse 58, I have sought your face with all my heart. 72, the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Verse 81, my soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I've put my hope in your word. 97, as we've seen already, how I love your law, I meditate on it. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 162, I rejoice in your promise, like one who finds great spoil. 165, great peace of those who love your law. And 172, may my tongue sing of your word. These are, these are wonderful words, aren't they? And I'm sure that that there are some of us here who can resonate exactly with these verses for yourselves. We love God's law. We know them to be sweeter than honey. And so they are the the theme of our songs and the joy of our heart and the source of our rejoicing and and so many more. We can can resonate with all of what we've just read. Uh, Yet yet there may well be others who who read words like this and, and we wish 
we could say these. We long to be able to have the longing of the psalmist, if you like. Um, but we, we know, as we've said, that we know that spending time in God's word will be good for us. It is a good gift that he has given. Yet we long for a greater longing. And so how, how, do we, how do we do that? We want to love the Bible more. We want to delight in it more. So, so what are we to do? Well, rather than, than repeating something that's been said recently from this pulpit, um, can I uh, encourage you to go back uh, to summer 2020? We were working our way through the Psalms, and, and Michael looked at Psalm 119 with us. And one of the things, it was online, so for those of us who have um, enjoyed Michael's preaching before, we normally go home with a, with a worksheet or a homework or something to guide. We couldn't do that because it was online, but alas, we've got them. And so Michael's sheets are here from when he helped us think on Psalm 119. And he, he lays out for us some of those verses that we've said about how the psalmist gets very excited about God's word. And on the back of this, the question that Michael put at the top is very simple. How can I get as excited as the psalmist about what God says? And there he lists three things to realize how important God's word is, realize what's in it for me, and realize what God wants me to do with his word. And all of those are taken from Psalm 119. And so I encourage you to come and lift one of these uh, and look up the references, spend time in Psalm 119, uh, guided by Michael in that. If you want to also, the, the sermon is still available online if you want to go back and listen to that in summer 2020. And so how are we to enjoy God's word? Well, we spend time in it. And we allow it, not just to be head knowledge, but allow it to captivate our hearts, to determine our actions. And it's almost like a perpetual cycle that when we see and, and, and enjoy God's word being lived out through us, as we see what he does among us, then our longing increases, our desire increases. And so as we grow in our knowledge and understanding of God's word by spending time in it with, with our heads, then we grow in our love for his word by exposing ourselves to it, then, then allowing our hearts to be captivated. And so finally then, let's, let's consider what does God's word, or how does God's word affect our hands? And in some ways we dealt with this a little last week when we recognized from James 1 that, that we hear and do the word. If we want to be genuine, true listeners of his word, we hear and do. Uh, we put what we read into practice. We put our faith into action. Um, but let me just show you three more examples from Psalm 119 of how there is action on the back of what we read and how we feel. Verse 32, I run in the path of your commands where you have broadened my understanding. I run in the path. See, there's an intentional outworking of the commands that, that the psalmist is enjoying. Verse 60, I hasten and do not delay to obey your commands. In the well-known verse from 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You see, the, the idea here is that, we, that what we learn and what we see displayed in Scripture directly impacts the life that we lead. We, we run, we obey, we are guided by this good word. Yeah, and so what we know and how we feel directly impacts our lives. But as we come towards the, the end of our time, I want to go back to 2 Timothy 3. Because we see this at play here as well. We see the practical outworking of a love for God's word. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we mentioned right at the beginning, God's word is useful. And look again what it's useful for. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. These are practical things. 
They're practical, tangible outcomes of being exposed to God's word. And then Paul continues in verse 17 to say, so that, so so the word of God teaches, rebukes, corrects, trains in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, one of the many purposes of the Bible is to equip us for the good works that God has planned for us. Ephesians 2.10. And that sounds like hands work to me. That sounds like a practical outworking, a practical application. So being equipped for every good work means that we're ready to live the life that God has planned for us, that he's called us to live. We're, We're ready to live a life that's completely sold out for him. We're ready to make him known to the world around us, being shaped and guided by his truth, his way, his laws, his commands, his decrees. And as we live them out, then our lives tell of his better way because our knowledge has been clarified, our emotions have been captivated, and our actions are flowing from that. So our lives are tell the world around us, the people that we meet, those that we share WhatsApp groups with, those that we meet at the school gate, those that we rub shoulders with, those that we live with or live around, those that we interact with on a day-to-day basis, our lives show his better way because our knowledge has been clarified, our emotions have been captivated, and therefore our actions flow from that and we live in the light of his truth. Head, heart, hands that we know god's word that we feel god's word in the best way possible and and i realize that could be misconstrued but we feel god's word we feel the impact of it and we long for more of it and we live god's word and may all of that be for his glory head heart hands I'd love us to, in a sense, pray these words together from Psalm 119. Uh, Three verses, 33, 34, and 35. And in these words, we can see head, heart, hands. We can see a longing for his word. We can see a desire to grow in our understanding of his word. And we can see a very practical outworking of that. And so, can I pray these words for us and with us? Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your word. Thank you that you are uh, so loving and merciful that you have given us your word to reveal yourself to us through your word. And so we praise you and we thank you. And yet, God, there there are many of us that want to confess a, wrong attitude to your word or or a lack of commitment to your word father would you help us thank you that in your grace you don't cast us out you welcome us in to deeper relationship to a more fervent longing and heart's desire for you and therefore father we we know that we find you uh, yes by your spirit who indwells us of course but as your spirit opens your word as we read it 
and we see more of who you are and how you, um, how you have called us to live and what you've done for us. So, Father, would you indeed increase our knowledge of your word? And in doing so, Father, captivate our hearts, we pray, so that our lives would be transformed more into the likeness of your Son, more faithfully living, obedient lives after you. God, I praise you for those among us who, who are, um, who could echo the words of Psalm 119, where, where there, there is joy and life in your word. Father, would you, would you uh, keep that freshness? Father, would you uh, encourage those hearts who are, who are light in your word this morning, I pray. And Father, for those of us who are feeling heavy by this morning, and Lord, would you lift our eyes? Lift our eyes to see your goodness and your grace and your mercy on display. Yes, Father, may we, may we do the work that we need to do with you and to confess and to lay down and to recommit. But, but Father, would you help us to do that in the light of your love and your open arms? Lord, we want to be people of your word. Not just strong theological heads. We want that, yes. But we want to be people who love your word and who love you. And therefore, Father, we live for you. So come, we pray. Help us, God. For your glory alone we ask. Amen.